This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, the mastermind behind the 2021 Kabul airport bombing is dead. The Taliban killed the ISIS terrorist in a battle early this month. Reactions from across the nation to President Biden's big announcement. Find out how Americans feel about a second term and their main concern. We get analysis on Biden's campaign strategy. Florida is close to passing a funding bill for the transport of illegal immigrants to Democrat-controlled areas. It's expected to pass as soon as this week. British American Tobacco has been ordered to pay over $600 million. The company pleaded guilty to violating North Korea sanctions. And a harrowing story about a Chinese woman and her son who survived a dangerous journey to the U.S. We have the interview. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Tiffany Meyer in for Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, April 26th. Updates coming out of Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. The Taliban have killed the mastermind behind the Kabul airport suicide bombing that took place during the U.S. withdrawal in August 2021. The bombing killed over 180 people, including 13 U.S. service members who were in Afghanistan for the withdrawal. The Taliban killed the ISIS terrorist in a ground assault early this month in southern Afghanistan. They were engaged in a series of battles with an ISIS affiliate. Initially, neither the U.S. nor apparently the Taliban were aware that the mastermind was dead. But in the past few days, a senior administration official said U.S. intelligence confirmed with high confidence that the ISIS leader had been killed. The U.S. military has shared the news with the parents of the service members killed in the bombing. And turning now to President Biden's 2024 re-election bid, we hear what some voters across the country had to say about the news. And today's Jeremy Sandberg reports. I wouldn't be standing here. President Biden says he wants to finish the job in his 2024 re-election launch video on Tuesday. Some Seattle residents aren't sure that's a good idea. I don't think he has the capacity to finish this term, I wish. <laughs> Sorry. And I just, I think that that's not a great idea. I don't think he's going to be successful. I'm getting to be close to 50 myself and slowing down a bit, so I can only imagine what it must be like for an older gentleman like that to, to take on such a big project. Is, it's admirable, but I don't know if he might be my first choice in a situation like that. I honestly like the fact that he's older. I feel like old people should get more respect. And as, as far as like an old competent person, uh, that's awesome. But is he an old competent person? Not to me. So it does worry me that he'll be in charge. Those in the nation's capital had similar concerns when asked about Biden. I'm a little bothered. He's a little old. And if I can't joined the army at 58. I don't think he should run the country at 80 and what, how old will he be? 84? It's too old. Definitely too old. I feel like he's too old. The president and the Congress, they focus on world issues instead of homeland issues like they should. 
It's, it's, that should come first, and then then world issues. You got to focus on America first. Reactions to Biden's news were mixed down in Texas. For me, it's a good choice. Yes, I am happy with it. I feel like he's sold America to China. I feel like he's the best chance of beating Trump, so I'm pleased that he's running, but also I feel like we need someone new and fresh. Biden's age has become a resounding concern for many. Honestly, I think he's a little old for that. Because, I mean, he is 80 years old. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the span of that time. He's too old. He needs to hang it up. He was too old before, and he's way too old now. We need someone younger. Many voters in Arizona echoed that sentiment. I'm worried that if we continue to have a very aged um, group of people running our country, that we're missing out on huge opportunities for really positive change. I really do hope that we get younger candidates. Uh, we don't need Biden, man. I think we should vote Trump back then, man. He might say a lot of crazy things out of his mouth, but he kept the money flowing for the people that's less fortunate. A Reuters Ipsos poll on Monday found the majority of registered voters that were surveyed don't want either Biden or Trump to run again. Biden came in with a 43% approval rating. Trump had 38%. Monday's poll concluded 44% of Democrats feel Biden is too old for the job. 35% of Republicans in the poll felt former President Trump is too old. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And now for some analysis on President Biden's campaign and the issues he faces. We speak live with Democratic strategist and civil rights attorney Robert Petillo. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, Biden's made it official that he's going for a second term. The top job is very demanding, and critics are pointing to mental decline over these gaffes. Do you think Biden will be able to overcome this? He's always been able to overcome this. You can go back to Biden's 1988 campaign, and people talked about his uh, his gaffes and the uh, the plagiarism scandal and other things uh, going back decades. Uh, you have to go by President Biden's record, and just on the numbers, the first three years of his administration have been some of the most consequential three years in any presidential administration in the United States history. Any, he can go toe-to-toe with FDR on many of his achievements. I think President Biden's going to put his re-election case based upon competency pushing through a $1.7 trillion infrastructure bill when every other administration had been having infrastructure week for the last 20 years. Um, being able to pass the high, biggest investment in climate change in U.S. history with the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, his ability to work by a bar, uh, on a bipartisan basis for $3.5 trillion uh, omnibus spending bill. President Biden's going to put his record before the American people and say, judge me by that, not based on sound bites. Giving us a little historical context into these gaps here. Now, NBC News poll says 58% of Americans disapprove of the job that Biden's doing on the economy. Do you think inflation will prevent him from winning or will he be able to turn this around and how? Oh, I think President Biden needs a communications team that's able to articulate exactly what is happening economically to the rest of the world. Uh, if you compare American prices right now to 2019, of course they're higher than they were then. However, you can compare them globally. American inflation is one-third of what we're seeing in Europe. Uh, it's a quarter of what we're seeing in Asia. Indeed, the policies the Biden administration put in place, uh, particularly through Secretary Powell, is very similar to what Paul Volcker did in 1980 when it came to breaking the back of double 
double-digit stagflation, uh, raising interest rates, stabilizing the economic market, preventing a run on the banks in the last several weeks when we saw Seagate and uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, go out of business, lowering unemployment to the lowest rates that we've seen in American history. President Biden's going to make the case to the American people that even though inflation is high, that is due to international uh, uh, pressures being put on all economies worldwide, and America's doing far better than our brothers and sisters in Europe, Asia, and much of the rest of the developed world. And President Biden's comms team has played a big role in this, for better or for worse. Now, Biden has framed his campaign as a question whether Americans will have more rights or fewer. Critics point to the Constitution and they say he's taken away guns from law-abiding gun owners and law-abiding citizens, and also that he's allegedly pressuring social media companies to censor misinformation or what could be. But he has pushed to preserve Social Security and keep access to abortion. So what are your thoughts here? Uh, well, I think President Biden is going to make a very clear contrast that uh, in the last several weeks, he's made he, him and Secretary Blinken and negotiate with the Philippines to open new U.S. bases in the South China Sea, pushing back on China's expansion in that region, that they've worked with the uh, embassy in Sudan to evacuate to evacuate Americans from that war-torn region, that he's held together the NATO alliance and indeed has increased global military spending to $2.2 trillion worldwide, something that we've been trying to get NATO to do for the last 70 years. And in the meantime, Republicans are chasing uh, Mickey Mouse around, trying to uh, stop him from making the kids gay. Um, they're uh, trying to force trans athletes out of schools. They're uh, working really hard uh, to ensure that the Bud Light uh, doesn't put any transgenders on the cans. Uh, it's a very clear contrast between a competent president who's trying to get things done for the American people versus what is ostensibly a reality show parading in the political party. War in Ukraine, all eyes on the Taiwan Strait. Definitely a lot of topics to cover here. Democratic strategist, civil rights attorney, Robert Patillo, thank you for your time. Thank you. Looking now to a Republican contender in the presidential race, the former two-term governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, is formally kicking off his 2024 campaign today. That will be in his hometown of Bentonville. Hutchinson is a vocal critic of former President Trump. He's called for Trump to drop out of the 2024 race. He'll announce some of his policy initiatives at the launch event. And there's another Republican governor who's considering throwing his hat in the ring. New Hampshire's Chris Sununu said yesterday he might be announcing a 2024 presidential run pretty soon. Sununu says he's sick of woke cancel culture and wants to address it. Florida is preparing to pass a sweeping immigration bill backed by Governor Ron DeSantis. It would give millions of dollars to his controversial program of transporting illegal immigrants to Democratic areas. And today's Daniel Monahan brings us more. SB 1617 was filed on Sunday night following weeks of negotiations between House and Senate Republicans. It is expected to pass the Republican-controlled legislature this week. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis introduced the legislation in February. We're fighting back on behalf of Floridians. If passed, it would give $12 million to the DeSantis Illegal Immigrant Flight Program. The program made headlines in September after the administration paid to fly 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. The bill would also bar local governments in Florida from funding ID cards for people with no proof of citizenship, invalidate a driver's license issued by another state to someone who cannot prove their citizenship, require hospitals that accept Medicaid to record a patient's citizenship status on intake forms, prohibit undocumented law school graduates from taking the Florida bar. They're letting 
illegal aliens become licensed attorneys in Florida. It's like, how could you be violating the law and then be practicing the law? The bill would also increase penalties for human trafficking related offenses to a second degree felony and require anyone in custody of law enforcement with an immigration retainer to submit a DNA sample. Supporters say dealing with the issue of illegal immigration is critical. They believe such measures will improve safety in Florida and strengthen the economy. Opponents say the bill is inhumane and unconstitutional and will waste taxpayer money. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Washington state has banned semi-automatic rifles. A package of new gun control measures was passed yesterday. Democratic Governor Jay Inslee says weapons like the AR-15 have no legitimate purpose. People in the state will no longer be able to make, buy, or import the rifles. The law went into effect immediately. A lawsuit challenging the ban has already been filed. It claims the ban violates Second Amendment rights. The governor also signed two other bills. One mandates safety training before you can buy a gun and puts in place a 10-day waiting period on all gun purchases. That law takes effect January 1st next year. The third law is around legal liabilities for gun manufacturers and dealers. It will allow lawsuits to be filed against them if they knowingly create or contribute to a public nuisance. That includes if guns fall into the hands of minors or individuals deemed to be dangerous. The FDA has made a new statement on vaccines that has stirred up some controversy. The agency says vaccines don't have to prevent infection or transmission to be cleared in the United States. In a recent document, Dr. Peter Marks, a top FDA official, said it's important to note that FDA's authorization and licensure standards for vaccines do not require demonstration of the prevention of infection or transmission. Marx was writing as he rejected nearly all recommendations from a group of experts. The experts advised the FDA to update the labels for the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. The FDA official also said the agency can authorize a vaccine even if it doesn't prevent infection or transmission as long as the benefits outweigh the risks. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the CDC changed its definition of vaccines after people correctly noted that COVID-19 vaccines do not prevent infection. As some states move to ban gender transition procedures for minors, one state is taking the opposite approach. Colorado is declaring itself a gender surgery sanctuary state for minors. A new Colorado law introduced legal shields for patients and providers of gender transition services. The bill bans criminal and civil charges against Colorado providers for performing such procedures, including on children from out of state. Colorado also won't put the doctor on trial, issue a search warrant, impose legal punishment, or allow wiretaps to collect evidence. Governor Jared Polis signed the bill into law earlier this month. All sponsors of the bill were Democrats. States with similar laws include Washington, Massachusetts, California, Illinois, and New Mexico. Coming up, the harrowing story of a Chinese woman and her son who survived a dangerous journey to the U.S. And British American tobacco has been fined hundreds of millions of dollars for violating sanctions against North Korea. More on that after the break.
Welcome back. Next, an exclusive interview. A woman from mainland China tells NTD about her harrowing journey migrating to the U.S. and crossing the Texas-Mexico border. A single mom using the alias Sophie and her nine-year-old son survived a month of deadly circumstances getting to the Texas-Mexico border. They came all the way from Shandong Province, China, hoping to find freedom. Sometimes it was too difficult along the route, but thinking about the Communist Party, I absolutely couldn't go back. According to Sophie, Chinese people call this process Zhou Xi'an, or walk the route in English, which means being smuggled into the U.S. through Central and South America and Mexico. She says on the road, gangs or even the police would target Chinese people to search for money, sometimes stripping them naked. When we arrived by bus, we were told a good contact would pick us up, but it turned out it was members of a gang who picked us up. It was nighttime and we walked through the street to a hut. People there began to check our identities. Later, we were led through streets and alleys, and we arrived at another place. They began to check our luggage and ordered us to hand over our money and our mobile phones. He said he would arrange for us to cross the river the next day, but the next day he told us very seriously that each person still owed $1,800. He said that if I didn't pay, he would take my son away and I would never see him again. And then he pulled out a gun and threatened me. Sophie says all the migrants suffered inhumane conditions. Within 20 days, they traveled across the ocean, up the mountains and through the fields and the jungle before getting to a Mexican city near the Rio Grande River. In a small room of 20 square feet, three or four of us Chinese were locked up, along with South Americans, adults, and children. A dozen people were crowded into this room. There were no bed. You could only sleep on the floor. We couldn't leave and we couldn't turn on the lights. We were locked in this small dark room, without windows, waiting for news. Later, we paid a ransom money and the cost of crossing the river before he let us out. After crossing the river, Sophie, her son, and others met Border Patrol agents who then registered their information. She says not everyone was as lucky, and many others died along the route. When I decided to come out of China, I thought, I'd rather lose my life on the road, because the Communist Party makes life unbearable in this evil regime. The CCP treats us like livestock. At any time, it wants your money, wants your parts, your organs. It can pull one out and cut it off, then empty your bank account. People are erased like numbers. It's terrible. You have no freedom. You have no freedom of speech, no freedom of belief, no basic right of life. Sophie hopes that being in the U.S. and free of the CCP's control, her son can grow up happy. She is looking for legal help to stay in the U.S. and start a new life. Reported by Brenda Chen, NTD News. A House Judiciary Subcommittee will hold a hearing today at 3 p.m. about the exploitation of unaccompanied immigrant children. The hearing will examine the surge of unaccompanied minors at the southwest border and how border policies enable the exploitation of those children. British American Tobacco has agreed to a settlement of more than $600 million 
A court filing yesterday says a branch of the company pleaded guilty. That's to violating U.S. sanctions by selling tobacco products to North Korea and committing bank fraud. Criminal charges were brought against one North Korean and two Chinese nationals. Entities Cost Hemenes has more details on the story. The settlement pertained to tobacco sales made between 2007 and 2017. It is the single largest North Korea sanctions penalty in Justice Department history. This case and, and others like it do serve as a, as a warning shot to companies, um, companies that, uh, that support rogue regimes like North Korea uh, through, their, through their activities that they have to have compliance programs. North Korea faces an array of U.S. sanctions to choke off funding for its nuclear and ballistic missile program. British American Tobacco said it has entered into a deferred prosecution agreement with the Justice Department. One of its subsidiaries in Singapore, BAT Marketing Singapore, pleaded guilty. The company's CEO issued a statement saying, We deeply regret the misconduct arising from historical business activities that led to these settlements and acknowledge that we fell short of the highest standards rightly expected of us. The Justice Department on Tuesday also disclosed related criminal charges against one North Korean banker, as well as two Chinese facilitators, all of whom remain at large. The U.S. Department of State is offering a reward of $5 million and $500,000 respectively for information leading to their capture. Cost MNS, NTD News. A Japanese company's spacecraft apparently crashed while attempting to land on the moon today. It lost contact moments before touchdown, sending flight controllers scrambling to figure out just what happened. Six hours later, the Tokyo company iSpace confirmed what everyone suspected. It said there was a high probability the lander slammed into the moon. It was a disappointing setback for iSpace after a three-month trek that started in December iSpace would have been the first private business to pull off a lunar landing if it had all gone well. The company said a second moonshot is already in the works for next year. The United Arab Emirates' first spacecraft, Rashid, appears to be lost as well since it was on the lander. And coming up, free prefabricated portable houses are on the rise in Tasmania. Thousands of new constructions may just offer a lifeline to those who are struggling with rising costs. More after the break. You'll be happy to know that man's best friend can now join him for dinner, at least outdoors. New FDA regulations allow pet dogs into outdoor dining areas just in time for spring. But there is one thing, even though the FDA allows it, State and local laws still apply, and restaurants also have to give the okay. For now, the guidance only allows dogs, so other animals, including cats, are still not permitted, unless they are service animals. So maybe if you have a service cat or hamster, you can get around it. That's awesome. Now I can go dog watching at restaurants. Is that one of your favorite pastimes? <laughs> it might well be. <laughs> and one thing to add is that the restaurants can not only allow their favorite breeds, allowing poodles, meaning allowing St. Bernard's too. And you know, actually, one of my friends once saw a piglet at a restaurant, a live one. <laughs> wow. Maybe it was a service pet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a unique find, I'd say that. <laughs> 
that's true and that's all from us on today's program would love to hear from you at goodmorning at ntd.com so shoot us an email if you'd like thanks for watching i'm tiffany meyer and i'm kevin hogan